RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. So I'm welcoming back Greg Simons, Kiwi in Latvia, back to Reality Check Radio. And he is Assistant Professor in the Institute for Russian and Eurasian Studies and a lecturer at the Department of Communication Sciences at Tariba University in Riga, Latvia. And we've had a few chats with uh, Greg over the last month and a half or so, and he's back with us. Greg, good to talk with you again. Thanks for coming on. Cheers for the invite. Okay, so a few things to get our heads around. Obviously, the first one, from your vantage point in the world, the mysterious circumstances of the Evgeny Prigozhin death. So was he shot out of the sky? Did someone put a bomb on the plane, or is this just a bizarre coincidence Let's let's trawl through those options. Well, okay. He, we'll put it this way: he was not a popular guy uh, in many places. So, I mean, this is not only in Russia but beyond Russia as well. Because, I mean, what he's been doing uh, in in Ukraine and Africa and the Middle East, uh, he's earned enemies every, everywhere. <clears throat> but. Um, one of the th- one of the things which made him more vulnerable uh, recently was, of course, the mutiny in uh, June. So one of the th- uh, consequences of that, he'd lost uh, protection from Putin, which he had earlier. So this is why no one was touching him, because if you touch him, then you have problems with the Russian state. So uh, th- this protection had gone. Also, I mean... <laughs> He's one of these oligarchs who just doesn't know when to quit. So if we look at what's been happening recently, uh, for example, there was a a big uh, conference or international conference uh, on Africa uh, in St. Petersburg. And bear in mind, this comes at a time when after the mutiny, uh, Putin said, we are taking over Wagner. Go and make yourself scarce, uh, enjoy your life uh, in Belarus. But uh, he went to that conference and started trying to cut deals on the side <laughs> with the Afri- African countries. Uh, so, But, of course, it would not be in Putin's interest to bump him off. So you can probably rule him out. Why? Because of this uh, trying to create this diplomacy with Africa. But at the same time, you have the BRICS conference in South Africa, which is huge because of all the implications uh, stemming from this. So, I mean, there is absolutely way too much at stake uh, for Putin to bump him off in a very public uh, manner like this at a time like this, not in his interests, against his interests. Of course, I mean, people have seen those uh, videos of the plane uh, coming down. And, yeah, I mean, it was spiralling. Uh, but one thing was clear. The body, the, uh, the fuselage, was intact, yeah. which counts out uh, the, this rumour that he had been shot down by Russian air defence. Yeah, a, a ground-to-air missile would have blown the thing to pieces in the air. It would be, yeah. It, it, it would be little bits and pieces uh, floating around the place, not coming down intact like that. <clears throat> I, I've heard 
I mean, a lot of it's conjecture. And if you're if you're going outside this uh, echo chamber and this uh, filter bubble that is mainstream media, and listen to what uh, people with common sense say and expertise, then you'll see. Well, no one knows exactly at this moment. First point. Second point. They will conduct uh, a thorough investigation because people want to know how did he die because uh, of the timing and everything else. It's also very, I mean, uh, pertinent uh, to state security as well if, if there is a hit like this. But, of course, whether those bits will be made public or not uh, is another matter. So will, will the full report be released? Probably not because, it, like uh, many other states, I mean, some of this is not going to be made uh, public because it, it can uh, have other implications. It can inform people of methods and, uh, yeah. and procedures, et cetera, which you want to keep uh, to yourself, of course. Yes, exactly. Uh, I mean, security precautions. Uh, I've heard one <coughs> conjecture, but that... Even they say Scott Ritter, he, he who you probably heard of. Yes, I mean yeah. one of his uh, ideas was that it, it might be uh, an incident which is caused by the security detail. Some of their munitions went off inside the cockpit and right. the aircraft yep. lost control. <clears throat> so. But I mean, at this stage, I mean, well, well it, not, it, it appeared from the footage. It appeared to be that the tail was missing, and yeah. that, of course, is probably in that aircraft, Embraer aircraft, where your baggage and personal effects will be stored. Uh, and if you have a whole lot of pyrotechnics uh, and other munitions, it can uh, blow. And this is the, where you have the, them. You got the pressure bulkhead back there too. Yeah. So if uh, if the pressure's going to escape, we'll push it out, bang, and yeah. that bit falls and, off. But the rest. And the wing rips off, and yeah, so on and yeah. so forth. So mm. yeah, exactly. Especially when it goes into the spiral with no control, you got a lot of yeah. uh, pressure and g-force uh, exerted on the airframe. So the, the wings will be the the first bit to go. Yeah, yeah. Um, if it was um, a bomb put on board, and if it wasn't a like a weird coincidence of of, of things going wrong that you know no one intentionally did, though carrying those sorts of Explosive items on a plane is never recommended. Um, no. It would have to be someone with access to the aircraft that was would was not questioned, right? That it was like someone yeah. who, and yeah. there'll be very few because Prigozhin uh, was a rather rightfully so paranoid guy uh, yeah. concerning his security. So uh, he had two aircraft, uh, both exactly the same on the tarmac at the same place and uh, one of those aircraft he would choose at the very last second so that no one can plan so okay, you'd have that to, aircraft you have to bomb both of them if you want to get them right you'd have to do you would with both of you them. would but the other one was not so yeah. in fact uh, that return the other thing is um from the nato slash american reaction to that could could you see any anything in the way they reacted and the messaging they had around that that could inform us of any involvement that they might have had? 
Not really. I, I, they seem to be caught by surprise as well. But it's, I mean, hilarious how they tried to make him a kind of semi-hero because uh, of the mutiny in June. So, I mean, they had this double kind of uh, contradictory kind of feeling there because, okay, he's been making life difficult for them in Ukraine, in Syria, in Africa. Uh, but, I mean, they tried to make him this kind of heroic figure who stood up to Putin. And so, I mean, how do you weigh these uh, contradictions? So um, if we look at that, <clears throat> yeah, I, I don't think that they would. I mean, I think perhaps the only way if you had this conspiracy scenario and put a bomb on board, the only way you could do that is to actually have one of the security detail and they would die with the plane. So they'd have to be uh, yeah, going down knowing that they're going down. Yeah. Okay. And um, I thought that he was exiled to Belarus, but he seemed to be able to fly quite happily between Moscow yes. and St. Petersburg unhindered in his own <laughs> sort of convoy of, of jet aircraft. So, yes. Yeah, I mean, you exactly. have to get air traffic control clearance and everything to do yes. that. Yes, correct. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, it's the, one of the oddest exiles uh, that, that I've seen, and, it, and it's not been that long since he was uh, told to go to Belarus. So, But uh, think, that comes... <clears throat> sorry, I was going to say, do you think there'll be, because there are quite a few people in the Wagner group, I think he had 30,000 fighting at Bakhmut, um, is yeah. there going to be... Um, any sort of backlash or or any sort of show of force or anything from them now that their leader's gone? Because I think Putin did basically order them to sign up for the state military and, yeah. and pledge loyalty to the state, right? I don't see that they will uh, have any other mutiny. I mean, it's just uh, not in their interests. And I mean, uh, a lot of them actually, uh, when they were given the choice, uh, you, you can uh, stay with Prigozhin or you can sign up. And I mean, a number of them uh, have signed up. The, these, <clears throat> I mean, you, you've had other observers once more going back to Ritter. He said they are a mercenary group, but they're not the same as, for example, Blackwater or whatever they call themselves now, because they tend to be somewhat more patriotic. But so even if they do not work uh, directly for the state earlier, they had this feeling of patriotism which um, bound them to the state. I wonder what happens to all the uh, deals he had negotiated with other countries, African countries and whoever else. I guess they all come to a screeching halt. <coughs> I wouldn't say so. <coughs> Excuse me. I, I would say... And because the point was that the uh, the Russian state was taking over the business. So uh, if we want to use the euphemism, it's going under new management. So okay, yeah, it, it, will, it will keep, keep the, uh, I should imagine it will probably keep these contracts. And of course, this is uh, quite convenient uh, for the Russian state too, because I mean, like the US, I mean, using regular military forces, you are obliged by certain laws and codes to act in a certain way. And uh, the Russian Federation is exactly the same uh, yeah. as any other country in that regard. So it will be quite a convenient um, uh, force to have 
and, and to deploy to these little hotspots. You've got this, I mean, if we look what's happening in Western Africa around Nigeria now, so I mean, th that would be uh, extremely uh, useful in a place like that where you don't need to go through the usual procedures to deploy irregular uh, military forces. All right. Well, that's uh, certainly uh, very interesting um, mm -hmm. sort of set of circumstances and, and what a character. He, he, he kind of came across mm -hmm. as the ultimate alpha male oligarch. <laughs> really. Oh, yes. He, he, he had, a, shall we say, interesting background. So, well, he's catering, uh, like, wasn't he? Supposedly. Yes, but uh, he he slipped some uh, pretty heavy duty uh, charges in the uh, early nineteen nineties. So right, okay. uh, yeah, he, I mean you can tell he, he could probably handle himself in a bar fight. He's uh, basically a gangster. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's uh, move across to the US. We're going to talk about Ukraine as well. I want to get your uh, thoughts on what's happening in Vanuatu, but closer to home as well. Before we're done. Okay, the uh, Trump arrest and the show trial. Um, where where do you think this is leading the United States? <laughs> Down a huge rabbit hole. I mean, they're doing what they accuse all of these authoritarian and totalitarian states of doing. Exactly the same. Yeah, I mean, tarring and feathering your political opposition. Uh, that's what it is. Because they understand, they evaluate Trump as a credible threat uh, to their continued uh, rule. So, I mean, like... Well, maybe other... not only that, Greg. Also, we might find out a few things that have been oh, going oh, on, yep. and it may be oh, very yes. messy. No, no, because when he was president, uh, he did release some rather, um, shall we say, compromising uh, bits of information which the Democrats and the political establishment uh, had been trying to bury. So, I mean, there's this as aspect as well, but that's if he gets into power. And so this is why they're trying to do everything to make him unattractive to the electorate uh, and to create obstacles for him to be able to be uh, nominated and elected. But it's not working. And and, no. and, the, and the show trial part, the uh, arrest, the show trial, the the whole you know the case, the multiple cases. Yeah, I think people get a sense that they're kind of laughable. So yes. uh, this is a dangerous game, isn't it? Because okay, you're trying mm -hmm. to discredit him, you want to um, scare voters off him, so he doesn't have a chance yeah. there. You're tying him up in lawfare to uh, compromise his campaigning as well. Sure, if this this could all backfire, the stakes are so high, aren't they? Yes. I mean, it is dangerous, but the reason why it's dangerous is because they're desperate. <laughs> so they, they want to use something and, and the usual methods are not working. So rather than backing down, they escalate uh, because, as you say, there is so much at stake. Um, not only power, but uh, other things further down the track. Uh, I mean, so that this is these are last ditch attempts, and as you say, I mean, it's so damn transparent that uh, I mean, most people people uh, can actually understand what is happening because it's done without any finesse. Yeah, when I say dangerous, you know, um, it could lead to, you know, conflict actually. 
couldn't it? Yeah, in a, in a country a like that. Conflict. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean it, it's quite possible because you push it far enough. I mean, the US is already fractured, and <clears throat> I, I remember. No, oh, when the heck was it? This must have been uh, about a decade ago where I, I was uh, in the US uh, and I was getting picked up by this uh, guy going from Chicago to Champaign-Urbana. Yeah, this, I this, know where that this is. This guy, uh, he, he was uh, of Polish origin, but he had done a couple of tours in Iraq. With, uh, he signed up with the US Army. And he said a number of interesting things. He said, okay, that that... The U.S. Army is uh, melting from the inside. It's just you have all of these disciplined, drug, heavy drug problems, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. But he said the main people that were signing up at that stage uh, were these militia types and uh, these neo-Nazis because what these guys were doing is they were counting on some kind of new civil war uh, coming to the US and not based like the old one, but along ideological lines. Uh, so, I mean, the flyover states that we like, yeah. they like to be called. And he said the reason for them to send their guys there, they wanted combat trained uh, soldiers to wow. fight their war for them. And, I mean, you can see evidence of this uh, periodically. I mean, you, you see these, these little incidents like in Afghanistan, uh, this kill team who are hunting Afghan civilians, these U.S. soldiers, they're all white. And, I mean, they're doing this kind of apocalypse now, chopping body parts off and keeping them as trophies. And this, this is the kind of stuff that you're getting, this really deeply infected stuff. And, and I mean... I mean, these guys are serious. I mean, uh, they're ideologically driven, but they're also uh, trained in combat, in scene combat. Wow. Well, that is <laughs> that is pretty like some sort of movie. Everything's like a movie oh, yeah. when it comes oh, to. Oh yes. Um, I, I uh, have just watched uh, yesterday um, uh, Tucker Carlson with Victor Orban, the uh, yeah. I think it's president, not the prime minister, he's president of Hungary. Uh, prime minister. Prime minister. Yeah. Is he? yeah. Yeah, and he was very—he's um, a very smart guy. You can tell, and uh, yep. even you know, speaking in English, he's—he's very—he's eloquent yep. and straight to the point. He basically said, "Trump is kind of the only one who can save the world right now," and he was seriously saying that. I'm yep. maybe simplifying what he said a bit, but that's essentially what he said. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, Orban, of course, has survived all kinds of uh, political warfare which have been waged against him by the US and the European Union. They've been waging a solid war against him. I mean, they're, they're even referring to him with these little brand names like the last dictator uh, of the uh, European Union, stuff like that. Of course, he is not, but the, these are all attempts to unseat him. He's deeply unpopular. He's socially and culturally conservative. Uh, I mean, he's sharp, uh, which is why he's still there. And, <clears throat> I mean, he speaks his mind. He, he doesn't mince words. So these are all unpopular uh, characteristics. And, I mean, I mean, if you look at the so-called leadership of uh, political leadership of the U.S. and the European Union at the moment, uh, to say it's a joke is, is a deep understatement i mean it's you just 
there's nothing there. I mean, you've got these unelected officials uh, in the EU, for example, such as as van der Leyen. I mean, I mean, the lights are on, but nobody's home. She's out of control, that woman. Yeah, I mean, periodically she has a flash of reality, like uh, one of her flashes of reality that the US was deindustrializing Europe. I mean, it's pretty obvious, but even she discovered that. And in the meantime, the the so-called head of the European Union's diplomacy, Borrell, I mean, my goodness, uh, you can say about him. The, the, the one who came up with the Europe as a garden and the rest of the world as a jungle, and then went uh, w- went to Latin America, and get this one. Uh, he, he told the Latin Americans that they should build a new world like the conquistadors did. Boy, I bet that went down, <laughs> down like a cup of. Oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I also heard, too, that... Um, uh, I think in Build, the uh, German, it's a tabloid, isn't it? They were saying that, yep. uh, um, is it Schultz? Is that the... Uh, yes. Oh, the, deeply unpopular. The, the yeah. Chancellor, um, yeah. in a conversation to Macron, was couldn't work out why Putin, in the last phone conversation he had with him, didn't even mention the sanctions. And yeah. they, they were sort of confused as to why he wouldn't mention it, because that was supposed to be the knockout blow. And it was like, even, <laughs> well, well care, it is. You know. it, it is the knockout blow, because if you look at the World Bank, and this is statistics from the World Bank, based on GDP and PPP, uh, purchasing power parity, uh, do you know the biggest uh, economy in Europe is at the moment? Is it Russia? Yep. Yeah. They've overtaken Germany. Yeah, these guys couldn't work out why their measures hadn't landed. You know, they hadn't figured it well, out. Well, they have uh, landed, yeah. but they're self Well, no, in the opposite to what they thought would be. So yes. they're not, not great geniuses. Okay, so no. that's happening in the US. And, of course, the mugshots out. He raised $7 million in one day. We know that. And that's that, that was interesting, the look he put on for that mugshot. He must yeah. have thought about that. For a long time. I, I know I would have. Do you think? Oh, well, I mean, Putin is strategic. Uh, no, I'm talking I'm, about Trump's I'm mugshot, like you know, shot. from jail. The Trump's Say mugshot. Again? Trump's, oh, Trump's Trump. mugshot, yes, you yes. know, the famous so that, mugshot. That, quite... that looked like he had really thought about how he was going to look in that. I, yeah, well, of course, he's a publicist. So uh, he he's... If one thing, he's very skilled at his publicity, so self-publicity, so definitely. The, yeah. And you can see the memes and the merchandising and totally. stuff yeah. which is flying from this. So, no, I mean, that would be calculated for sure. Okay, to Ukraine, latest um, reporting is uh, from BBC. So when it gets into mainstream, you know that it's yep. starting to come to a bit of reality. Since the, um, the counter-offensive, which was, what, June... Yep. 43,000 Ukrainian soldiers have died. Up to that point, uh-huh. the official figure was 17,300. So they're up now nearly at, at 70,000 dead, and the Russians have been saying that as well, 120,000 injured. They're getting smashed to pieces. But yes. but the, the, the West, the collective West, as uh, people are calling them, seem to think that it's going the other way, that it's that we're winning or that they're winning. How can they possibly think that? 
Well, I suggest Hunter and Zelensky have been sharing their uh, products with with the rest of the uh, community. Oh, so, so they're all smashed. <laughs> well, you you have to be to come up with with something like this because I mean it's pretty clear. I mean I've heard uh, estimates from others uh, like uh, Douglas McGregor and Scott Ritter, and they say from aerial photos uh, that they uh, are measuring the um, the newly dug graves uh, in Ukraine, and because I mean this this aerial photo method is very accurate because they actually did this uh, in the Pacific War in World War Two. What they do is they overfly, they count the number of toilets uh, on the island, uh, Japanese held island, and from that they'd be able to deduce because according to Japanese. Uh, uh, rules there should be a toilet for every x number of soldiers oh, and right. absolutely the accurate. Yeah. but they applied this to graves and they estimate that it's around about four hundred thousand dead uh since the beginning of the oh, uh, ukraine just, war that's that's terrible so i mean it, it's just a, a slaughter and it's something like about eight to one uh losses so for every one russian soldier that there are eight uh, Ukrainians uh, who, and various mercenaries and so forth. Well, it's interesting because I think the original, wasn't it Putin's or, or the Russians' um, goal, I think originally the special military operation was to denazify and to degrade the Ukrainian armed forces to the point where they couldn't fight. And yeah. that's what they've essentially done. Yeah, I mean, it's getting quite problematic for Ukrainians now because I mean, they no longer have the numbers on their side. When when the Russians uh, first invaded, uh, they the attacker was at a numerical disadvantage, and that that's generally you don't do that. You should be at a three to one uh, numerical superiority, and they were far from that. So what we're looking at now, I mean, the, the Russians have got these reserves, vast reserves. The Ukrainians are throwing their ones into this grinder, uh, which getting ground up and chewed up each day. I mean, but they, they try to say, well, look, the, these Russians uh, died here. And a couple of uh, short video clips on Telegram or um, X as it's now known, and they try to use that a, a, as a kind of evidence. But I mean, uh, when, when you see the sheer numbers of uh, those killed and wounded, I mean, for nothing, it, it's, for it's, nothing, it's, uh, no, no, and, and they haven't advanced. I mean, <laughs> they, they just there's no territory taken for a, a great deal of losses of manpower and material, which I mean, it's getting to the stage like you had at the end of the Second World War, uh, where you have an increasingly demoralized uh, armed forces getting attacked by one which is numerically superior uh, and with the manpower and material to, to just keep on rolling them back. Yeah. But yeah. unlike the Second World War, the Russians are being very, uh, well, careful with their losses. They're letting yeah, I, the Ukrainians I think they're, attack. They're trying to still oh. minimize, aren't they? Because yes. civilian, the, the civilian figures um, under 10,000. So yeah, far, which is a, a very, very, very small. I mean, you, you think of one US war of liberation uh, where they've killed that few in that, that kind of time period. It yeah. just doesn't happen. They flatten cities. I mean, <laughs> it can't be too long before the thing is 
done, right? I mean... I would say so, uh, because it's getting towards the end of it. I mean, now... I mean, before the Ukrainians were fighting, 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 now they're having to drag people kicking and screaming Old off the Old men like me. <laughs> well, even older <laughs> so, yeah. than we are. Yeah. Uh, and those, I mean, who are enfeebled or, or whatever, it's getting like 1944-45 defence of Berlin where you have uh, yeah, school boys kids. and old yeah. men. Yeah. So Someone's I mean, going to pay not, for that, though. Zelensky yeah. and co. In the end, that will that will come back to him. It has to, surely. I would I would think so. And, and I mean, Zelensky. I mean, it's a matter of time, and it's a question of who gets to him first. Uh, because I mean, as a proxy, uh, he is he, he has lost his usefulness uh, yeah. more or less. He's got a little bit of use left, but after that, I mean. And, and we see what happens when a U.S. proxy loses its usefulness, like President Diem of South Vietnam, who was brought to power on a U.S. coup and who was killed at the gates of a U.S. embassy trying to yeah. get a sanctuary. Because Sorry, of mate. Coup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can't no, help you. We're all full at the moment, yeah. And, well, you go back to playing the piano with his, you know. Yeah. His... And, I mean, uh, his own... Uh, uh, armed forces. I mean, they surely cannot be happy with them. Well, they'll turn on. And uh, they, they will. The uh, I mean, it's, it's, uh, my understanding, I mean, it's hard to tell who will turn on them first. US, his military forces, his population, other sort of radical elements uh, within the US, uh, within the Ukrainian uh, st state structures. You can always try phoning Hunter. Well, really yeah, bad. yeah, yeah. <laughs> this could be interesting. Get daddy to hunter to get daddy to fish him out. The big guy, get the big guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Get the helicopter off the U.S. Uh, embassy roof uh, at the last in minute. Kiev, yeah. All right. Just to finish up on more in our part of the world, Chinese police have mm -hmm. uh, arrived in Vanuatu. There's a crisis there between, I think, the former prime minister and the current one the current one wanting to move closer to Australia and yeah. um, signing a security pact with them. But uh, the I think uh, Lofman was the previous prime minister. He moved uh, Vanuatu closer to China. And yeah. Kalsako, the current prime minister, uh, back in with Australia. So that, that yeah. sounds like a bit of a mess, is it? It's geopolitics. I mean, playing out because, I mean, Australia is, I mean, uh, the U.S. proxy uh, in uh, South Pacific. So, uh, I mean, it, it, that's pretty clear by now. Uh, and, I mean, that, for example, they've tried to pressure Solomon Islands to uh, cut that uh, security deal with China. So, I mean, it's what you'd expect at this stage, where you have the U.S. and its system of vassal and client states in decline, and where you've got China, uh, which is rising and it's expanding at the expense of the US. I mean, we can look at the Philippines too, where they brought back Marcos's uh, son and they're trying to uh, claw back from um, the Philippines into the orbit of the US after Duarte uh, took it firmly out. So, I mean, you, you will see much more of this uh, in the coming years uh, as the US continues to decline. Yeah, um, because I know the Solomons, um, 
they had uh, quite a bit of investment from China infrastructure, so on mm. and so forth, yeah. which to a small, poorish country is very attractive. I guess the same yeah. for Vanuatu. But it doesn't seem like the other side, um, Australia in this case, um, uh, US, and I guess we're kind of bunched in there too, in a way. <clears throat> we don't seem to offer those sorts of um, yeah. carrots. No. So how can we be surprised that um, there's a preference for one over the other? Well, I mean, you've got this echo chamber where the, these globalist liberals uh, are all starry-eyed with this kind of ideological uh, voodoo which they, they, they're sort of engaged in, it, and they can't see why other people do not find this dystopian nightmare attractive. And they can't offer anything, uh, financial incentives or something like this, because their economy is a shot, precisely because they're engaged in ideological voodoo. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's a matter of time. And, and I mean, okay, so the the new prime minister of Vanuatu might hold power for a while, but when he has to tell his uh, people, his electorate, well, we're broke now. Uh, we we got the uh, Australian military keeping me in power. Uh, blah blah blah. I mean, it's going to be a hard sell to his uh, his people, and I mean, it will go the way uh, of an increasing number, like Nigeria. You could have uh, the, the scenario where that the French uh, slash US puppet was deposed by the military and its people are behind. Bazoom, uh, yeah. So in in Vanuatu, the Chinese sending police advisors into. What yep. what what would that do you think involve? Are they there just to try and do a persuasion exercise, or is that sort of like sending in the heavies? The first part of sending it's not the sending in the heavies, but it's definitely sending a signal. Because I mean, okay, if we look, how did the Vietnam War begin? Nice and innocently, you had different uh, a little handful of military advisors, but it, it sent a signal, and then you had a, a gradual escalation. <clears throat> for the Chinese to do this, they obviously uh, put quite a lot of stock uh, in the importance of Vanuatu. So uh, this is signalling something. And I think, if anything, this is not necessarily a message to Vanuatu, but more one uh, to Australia. Uh, and uh, this system of US vassal and client states. All right, then. Okay, good to catch up again, Greg. Greg Simons from uh, Riga, Latvia. Good to talk again. It won't be the last. We'll chat again soon and keep our uh, audience across these uh, momentous events that <laughs> that never stop, as always. So thanks for joining us, and we'll talk again soon, Greg. Right, cheers for that. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.